Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We are live. Hi, guys. Welcome to the Liz Wheeler Show. I'm Liz Wheeler. I am still here in New York City. A huge thanks to The First TV for being such gracious hosts, allowing me to shoot the show from their studios here in NYC. Really appreciate all the hard work that's gone into this. It's It's been a wonderful experience. Um, we've had a busy trip here in, in New York. I usually just come in little bunches of a couple days at a time. So we pack the trips full so that I don't have to spend more time in New York than is necessary. Um, we did the rounds for the media. I was on, I was on Sirius XM radio. I, I sat down and had a long conversation over at Fox News with Will Kane on his podcast. I think you guys are going to be really interested in that because it started out as almost a, a generic conversation about the 2022 midterms and what conservatism looks like moving forward. But intentionally or otherwise, we got really philosophical really quickly about what needs to happen at the zoomed out level, both the cultural level and, and the Republican apparatus level when it comes to the what it is of conservatism, what our platform is, what our branding is, how we view liberty, the philosophy of governance. And you guys know me, I whipped out the whole anti-libertarian pro-Edmund Burke uh, philosophy on ordered liberty. And Will Kane pushed back a little bit on me at first um, but I think I got him. I think I got him. <laughs> You'll have to be the judge of that yourself. I don't want to put words in his mouth here, but that episode came out yesterday on Wednesday. So if you haven't already seen that, go ahead and go to Will Kane's podcast, um, his Fox News podcast, and check that out. I also recorded a an episode with Ben Dominich over at Fox News podcast as well. That's going to come out on Monday. Um, we talked a little bit about the nuance of fraud in an election versus fraudulent behavior. Also a very interesting discussion I think you will enjoy. So keep an eye out for that. I'll share the links when those drop. After the the packed work days, um, last night, this was funny. Last night, my business partner um, made a reservation for dinner for he and his fiance and my husband and my daughter and I. We went out kind of aside from business just for social social purposes. And he made a reservation at one of the most famous vegan restaurants because I don't eat meat, as you know. It was a place called Double Zero, and it's famous for its vegan pizza. It was really good. I was very impressed. I'm not always impressed with vegan food because I'm not like ideological about being a vegan. I just do it for health purposes. So I've kind of embraced the idea that, sure, what I'm going to eat is maybe not as good <laughs> as what you're going to eat, not as tasty, but I do it because it's necessary for my health, yada, yada, yada. Boring. Well, this place, Double Zero, had really good vegan pizza, but what was more fun is the game that we were playing. So it's a classic New York City restaurant, right? It's in this very small, very kind of hipster environment. Pat, like you share a table with other people. There are long tables, kind of actually like this desk here, long um, slab tables, slab wooden tables, high tops, and you sit, you know, you sit at a table maybe with more people than are with your group, which we did, although the conversations are separate, but you're still like right together. But the game that we were playing was looking around this restaurant and of all the people there trying to guess who is the actual vegan and who was just, you know, the boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, friends who were dragged along to the vegan restaurant. Um, 
highly recommend this game if you ever go to a crunchy restaurant or a natural food restaurant. We were we were laughing quite a bit about this. So then we got back to the hotel after dinner. It wasn't terribly late, by the way. I mean, I have an almost two-year-old. So she was out past her bedtime, but it was still only, what, nine o'clock, maybe. We got back to the hotel or almost to the hotel. The car couldn't actually get near our hotel, and which was strange because we've been taking cars in and out of this hotel the whole trip. The roads were all closed. The streets were closed at 9 p.m. on, what was it, a Tuesday night. And we were like, this is really strange. So we actually had to get out of the car and walk probably a block in the rain. It was pouring down rain in the rain with a sleeping child. She'd fallen asleep in her car seat. And come to find out, it's because Prince Harry and Meghan Markle were at the hotel next door receiving some award. I don't even care what the award is for. Not interested. These people constantly... Um, pretend they want privacy, and then all they do is is lead a public life. They were receiving some award at the hotel next door, and they got the roads closed down for them. So I had to walk my sleeping baby through the rain so that Prince Harry could have uh, could have the space and the privacy he needs to accept a public award. Go back to Britain. Don't close down American roads and make me walk through the rain so that you can have your space. So as you can see. We are having a delightful time in New York City. It actually is. It has been really fun, really fun. I know my husband during, I had a business meeting yesterday and my husband took my daughter to see St. Patrick's Cathedral and she loved it, absolutely loved it. Um, so it's been a great experience. But anyway, we have a lot to talk about on the show today. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, please do so. Just go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, click that subscribe button on YouTube, hit subscribe. Also ring that bell so I can notify you when we have new videos and episodes and interviews. And on Rumble, don't just click the subscribe button. There's also a little red button that's to subscribe that allows you to join the Liz Wheeler Show community on Locals. Highly recommend that you join there. So what we're going to talk about today, we're obviously going to talk about the Georgia runoff, right? This is what happened. This is what we need to discuss. Obviously, the Republican lost. Herschel Walker was defeated by the incumbent Democrat, Raphael Warnock. And what I want to talk about today is I want to talk about the real reason that Herschel Walker lost. We're already hearing the left and the mainstream media, one and the same, right? As well as some Republicans blaming Donald Trump for this. So is this true? Is this false? What is the real reason that Herschel Walker lost? We're going to talk about that. I also want to talk about what this means, this this loss, the fact that it's now 51 to 49 in the Senate in favor of Democrats. They have the majority. What this means for the Senate over the next two years before there are, you know, more Senate elections. And I want to talk about what needs to happen for Republicans to win the Senate again. So that's what's on cue for today. Let's get to it. Okay, before we get to that, I want to talk to you about American Hartford Gold. Thank goodness for American Hartford Gold. Seriously, if you're like me, you are growing more and more concerned about the future of our country because inflation is at its highest level in 40 years, my entire lifetime. Interest rates are skyrocketing. And market experts like Jamie Dimon, who's the CEO of JP Morgan, not only predicted the recession that we are in, but are they but he used terms like economic hurricane and unprecedented, which is not only startling, it's quite scary. So if you want to protect your future, I suggest that you do what I did. Call the only precious metal dealers that I trust, American Hartford Gold. They can show you how to protect your savings and retirement accounts by diversifying your portfolio with physical gold and silver. All it takes to get started is a short phone call, and they will have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door 
or inside your IRA or 401k. And they make it easy. They are the highest rated firm in the country with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied clients. If you call them right now, they will give you up to $1,500 of free silver on your first order. So don't wait. Call them right now. The phone number is 866-781-7499. That's 866-781-7499. Or text Liz to 65532. Again, that's 866-781-7499 or text Liz to 65532. As the nation gears up for another election season, tune to the first TV for the best coverage on television. Get an exclusive inside look at the American political machine with Sean Spicer at 7. Unmatched analysis and historical perspective from Bill O'Reilly at 8. Then a bold, unapologetic take from Jesse Kelly at 9. It's must-see TV in primetime every night on the first TV. Watch the first on DirecTV Channel 347, Uverse Channel 1220, or DirecTV Stream. Okay, actually, before we talk about the Georgia runoff, I don't know if you guys saw this story. This is maybe the funniest story that I, I've told like four people on my team. I've made them read this article just because I was laughing my head off about it. It is about Chris Christie, who, by the way, I think has ambitions to run for president in 2024, but I don't know if this will hamper him at all. This is the headline. Let me read this headline. This is a Fox News headline. It says, Chris Christie's niece reportedly kicked off plane, injured six deputies in Thanksgiving disturbance. So that headline, by the way, is just a, a juicy bunch of, of hilarity right there. But this is, let me read you a little bit of this article. It says, a woman reported to be a niece of former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie was arrested on Thanksgiving morning after allegedly causing a disturbance on an airplane and injuring six deputies. Now, let me just interject here and be like, one single woman injuring six deputies. All I can picture is like a woman actually going bananas, like physically going bananas to hurt six deputies. They must've been trying to pin her and hold her. And she must've been flailing and just going absolutely psychotic here. I don't know how else she would hurt six different people. This is what the article says. Captain Jason Rivarde of the Jefferson County Sheriff's Office confirmed to Fox News that Shannon Epstein was arrested at approximately 6 a.m. that morning after being removed from a plane at Louis Armstrong New Orleans International Airport. According to NOLA.com, Epstein is Christie's niece and the flight was headed to New Jersey. She was removed from the flight after causing a disturbance, which included asking a family she believed was Latino if they were smuggling cocaine. This is what Rivarde said in an email to Fox News. So as if the headline is not bonkers enough, this woman was arrested because she looked at people who were Latino and asked them if they were smuggling cocaine. What? What? Holy cow. This, when deputies initially made contact with her, the article says on the jet bridge, she became extremely combative. During her arrest, she injured six deputies, biting one and kicking another in the groin. Uh, speaking of cocaine, you gotta wonder what kind of toxicity was in her system, alcohol and drugs here. But wait, it gets better. Rivardi said Epstein was eventually secured in a wheelchair and taken off the scene. You ready for this? Rivardi did not confirm that Epstein is the niece of the former New Jersey governor, but he did say that she, quote, repeatedly stated that they, the deputies, would lose their jobs or be arrested because of her familial relationships, end quote. So what we have here is 6 a.m. This was obviously after a red-eye flight, right? 6 a.m., or maybe it was before an early morning flight, whatever, you have to get to the airport in the middle of the night is the point here. So in the middle of the night, 
This niece of Chris Christie asks a Latino family on a plane if because of their race, they are drug smugglers. After she's removed from the plane, she bites a deputy, kicks another one in the groin, and then threatens to have them all fired because her uncle is Chris Christie, former New Jersey governor. I I don't know about you. I mean, I actually think this is the funniest thing that I've that I've heard in a long time. Not that I'm endorsing anything, not that it's a good thing. Obviously, this is hilarious. This is this is hilarious. I would love to hear Chris Christie's take on this. I would love to hear him uh address this little incident since his name was invoked. Um like I said, apropos of nothing, this has nothing to do with the Georgia runoff. It's just the story that I've enjoyed the most, um, probably in the last 24 hours. Um, but now we get to the Georgia runoff, of course. Um, very disappointing outcome, although I can't say that I'm particularly surprised, right? I don't know if you were expecting Herschel Walker to win. You always have that little seed of hope, but I wasn't that hopeful. I was kind of cynical about this. I was n- cynical about it just because of the factors that played into the election, the fact that Raphael Warnock in November actually won. He he got more votes, a higher percentage of the votes than Herschel Walker did. He just didn't um he didn't achieve 50%. So in Georgia, you have to win 50% in order to avoid a runoff. But on November 8th, Warnock got 49.5% of the vote. So he was shy by just half a percentage point. That compared to uh Herschel Walker getting 48.5. So he he lost by a percentage point already. So there would have had to be something pretty significant that changed in the space of one month. Actually not even one month, just shy of one month for the outcome of the election to be different. So going into it, he was already an underdog and not an underdog that was particularly well-liked. He's not the best candidate in the world. The Republican National Committee, as you know, I have huge problems with how they run elections, how they run ads, um, their entire strategy for electing candidates. And then of course we have the early voting stuff. So I was not particularly, that played, the early voting stuff, by the way, shouldn't leave that sentence hanging, the early voting stuff that plays in Democrats' favors that Republicans have ignored and neglected to build a strategy of our own on. That's basically what I want to talk about today. But before we get to that, I just wanted to say, this is a big deal, but it's also not a surprise. It it also, when I say it's a big deal, in the big picture, in a sense, it doesn't matter. Not that it's not bad. It is bad. But Democrats already control the Senate. This wasn't a battle over who was going to control the Senate. The Democrats already control the Senate because even if Herschel Walker had won, which would have made the Senate a 50-50 split, we have a Democrat president and a Democrat vice president, and the tie-breaking vote in the Senate is the vice president. So it would have been the same situation that we have experienced for the last two years. This is one extra seat, which just makes Kamala Harris more useless than she already was, because now her vote will never be needed in the Senate. Um, but the Democrats already controlled the Senate. So big picture, not a huge change. The one aspect of this, just in, in, in looking at what this means for the Senate in the, in the next two years is Republicans won't have as many seats, powerful seats on committees as Democrats will. So they lost some committee seats, which is bad. It's harmful. But when it comes to the overall vote of legislation in the Senate or, judicial confirmations in the Senate, the Democrats already had the majority. So in that sense, I don't know. It's it's not as big of a loss as the runoff elections were in Georgia in 2020, because that actually did impact the outcome of who controlled the Senate. This didn't. This didn't. So the background of this, as I said, Warnock had already defeated Walker on November 8th. Just the rules in Georgia required that it go to a runoff because he didn't clear that hurdle of it being 50% of the vote. But here's the thing. This is the one of the most interesting statistics from this runoff election. 
is that going into runoff election day, almost 2 million voters, 1.8 million voters to be precise, had already cast their ballots. In the early voting, almost 2 million people had voted ahead of time. So this, this, this really changes the entire structure of what our elections have been historically. And I'm not talking about historically like 200 years ago. I'm talking about like five years ago, 10 years ago. This idea that most of the campaigning happens directly before the elections, you know, the October surprise and presidential elections, that's almost eliminated. It's, it's, it's relegated to being moot at the very least because of early voting. In fact, if you contrast the number of people who cast their ballots early in Georgia, if you contrast that with the number of people who cast their ballots on election day, it's it's pretty striking. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But first, I want to talk to you about Cozy Earth. Let me ask you a question. How did you sleep last night? If you answered this question, well, not so great, or eh, just so care, please don't ask me that. Well, you're not alone. One out of every three Americans reports being sleep-deprived and your sheets could be part of the problem. That's why I like Cozy Earth sheets. The wrong sheets can trap body heat, leaving you boiling one minute and freezing the next. By the way, fun fact, this actually happened in my hotel room last night, and yes, did not have Cozy Earth sheets. The solution, of course, to prevent this is put Cozy Earth sheets on your bed. They are the softest, most luxurious, and best temperature-regulating sheets on the planet. It's like sleeping on a cloud, which makes sense because they're made from bamboo, which allows Cozy, cozy Earth sheets to breathe so you sleep at the perfect temperature all year round. If you're not completely in love, you can send the sheets back for a full refund. I got a great deal for you. You can now save 35% on Cozy Earth bamboo bedding, 35%. Just go to my URL. It's CozyEarth.com slash Liz35. You do have to hurry because the offer ends soon. CozyEarth.com slash L-I-Z-3-5. CozyEarth.com slash Liz35. So 1.1 Eight or 1.8 million, almost 2 million voters cast their ballots in the early voting period in Georgia. Early voting ended Friday, December 2nd. So then you had Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and then election day was Tuesday. Um, early voting on that Friday, the last day, the deadline for early voting, there were over 350,000 people who cast their ballots early. This is really significant. This changes the entire structure of how elections work and how voters are convinced. And it's right here where Republicans in two different ways have failed to adjust their election strategy. This is actually the real reason why Herschel Walker lost. It's not because Raphael Warnock was a good candidate. He's obviously not. He, he, he's basically, at least allegedly, a domestic abuser. He ran over his ex-wife's foot in his car after an argument. He, by all accounts... Um, is a terrible father who would leave his children with a babysitter when he was in during these small periods of time when he when he had uh, visitation rights with them he wouldn't even spend time with them he would go traveling about he's obviously very far leftist he pretends to be a pastor yet he supports abortion up to the moment of birth that's fundamentally anti-biblical um you know to put it colloquially he sucks but Herschel Walker is also not a good candidate, right? He's a good candidate compared to Raphael Warnock, but Herschel Walker had some serious problems, some serious, um, seriously bad decisions that he made in his life that became public towards the end of the campaign, which I think did impact the outcome. It did impact people's, people's decision whether to vote for him or not, particularly women's votes, because the allegations were that, um, 
that he mistreated, that he mistreated women, that he slept around, that he that he didn't he didn't support for or support or provide for children that he had that he had begot with different women. So those things are true. They're not untrue. But is that why Herschel Walker lost? Did that make make the difference? Was that the single thing that you can pinpoint as being the deciding factor in why he lost? I don't think so. I don't think so. And I, I, I know Democrats are trying to make this about Donald Trump. They're saying, listen, Donald Trump threw his weight behind Herschel Walker and still Herschel Walker didn't lose. This is because Raphael Warnock made all of his campaign ads about Herschel Walker's ties to Donald Trump. And Donald Trump is so unpopular that this caused voters not to vote for Herschel Walker. Honestly, I don't think that that's true either. I think that there are a lot of people on both the right and the left who feel that they have some kind of political capital to gain by either giving Trump credit for victories or assigning Trump blame for losses. And I just don't think that Trump's influence was the deciding factor in any of the elections uh, or most of the elections in the midterms. I don't think that Trump made or broke these elections. Certainly not. Certainly not. Maybe we're just talking about this one. Maybe not. Certainly not this one. I don't think that that's true. But this is this is what the never Trumpers on the right and the left want you to think. They want you to think that Trump is toxic. They want you to think that Trump is not good at picking candidates. Um, that's not why Herschel Walker lost. Herschel Walker lost because Democrats built up the early voting apparatus in the state of Georgia and Republicans didn't. Because we talk, this is sort of a continuation of what we talked about yesterday when we talked about the RNC elections and why it's so important that the future RNC chair, um, hopefully Harmeet Dillon, Lee Zeldin, by the way, decide, de- decided not to run. So this, this race will be between Harmeet Dillon and Ronna Romney McDaniel. But it's why it's so important that a, an RNC chair recognize and acknowledge the reality of the political enemy that we face. Because if we don't acknowledge that reality, we will not fight against this political enemy well. We will not win. We will lose. And this, this election in Georgia is a perfect example of this because it is ideal to have just election day. Early voting is unfair to voters. It actually disenfranchises voters because it doesn't allow them the opportunity to know all of the information up to voting day. This is not hypothetical. If you go back to 2016, right before the election, James Comey, who was FBI director at the time, read basically read that indictment of Hillary Clinton regarding keeping classified information on her homebrew insecure email server, including top secret level information about human sources around the world. This could easily have been hacked by foreign adversaries, probably was, and could have been used against our human sources, could have caused the death of actual people, let alone the national security impacts here in the United States. At the end of this indictment, James Comey said, but even though these are all the reasons you could indict her, we're not going to. After this, the Google searches for can I change my vote skyrocketed because so many people had voted early and cast their ballot for Hillary Clinton in that election. But when they heard this information, the FBI director admitting how corrupt Hillary Clinton was, how dangerous she was, and how just dismissive of the harm that she caused, that she was acting on the campaign trail, people regretted their votes. They wanted to change it. They wanted to take back their vote for Hillary Clinton and switch that to Donald Trump but they'd already cast their ballots. And there are a few states, by the way, that you can change your vote, but it's not easy. It's a convoluted process. And in general, you can't. But people wanted to, which is a perfect illustration of what I mean when I say that voters are disenfranchised by early voting. They don't have all the information they need. These October surprises, which are 
most the 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 bulk of fundraising and advertising spends happen in just a couple of weeks before the election. So Democrats realize, well, if if the Republicans have good talking points or valid attacks against our candidate, what we need to do is we need to make sure that people vote before they hear about those attacks, since Republicans really won't plaster the airwaves with with all of that information until just before the election. So here we have this early voting apparatus in, in Georgia. It's not just Georgia, it's all across the country. In my opinion, it's one of the biggest reasons, if not the primary reason that we lost the midterm elections, or I know technically we won. Yes, technically we won, we did. But it wasn't the red wave or the red tsunami that we were hoping for, that we were expecting, even though we owned public opinion, even though people are dissatisfied with Biden, those things don't really match what we saw in the outcome of the election. Why? Well, because of early voting. So in Georgia specifically, if you look at rural counties, rural counties is where Herschel Walker should have dominated because city centers, urban centers tend to be very liberal. That's where Raphael Warnock dominated, obviously. But rural counties, Herschel Walker didn't mobilize an early voting apparatus. He didn't target those people that he knew would be Republican votes, ask them for their votes, show them how to early vote. You know, I know in some states, ballot harvesting isn't legal. And in a purely objective standpoint, in a utopian world, that's a good thing, right? In a utopian world, we would not have early voting. In a utopian world, we would not have ballot harvesting. We would just have election day where you go in person on election day and cast your paper ballot after showing your voter ID. But that's not the reality that we face right now. And if we don't acknowledge this reality that we are facing early voting, we are facing vote harvesting organizations by the left, and that this makes a huge difference in the outcome of the elections in, in so many different states and at the national level, at the federal level, all the way up to the presidency, then we're never going to be able to compete with the left. So you had Herschel Walker who his campaign and the RNC combined, because the RNC should really be in charge of this, didn't really build an early voting apparatus. They didn't go after those voters. And you can see this with the outcome in rural counties compared to these urban centers. The turnout just wasn't there. You would have had to have a significantly increased turnout. People who did not vote in the general election being convinced not only to vote, but to vote for Herschel Walker in order for him to win in this December runoff. And it didn't happen. It did not it did not happen. And, and that's the area of this. this. This is the reason why I'm not surprised that Herschel Walker lost. But it's also the reason that I'm the most frustrated that he didn't. Because we can, we can win this. There's a way that we can compete with Democrats when it comes to early voting and vote harvesting without sacrificing our principles about election day. And I, I, I want to break this down in just a second. But first, I want to talk to you about this new app that I've been using. It's called Upside. It's really cool. And the reason I've been using it is because I put a grocery order in. I generally have my groceries delivered. I put a grocery order in and I'm just like, I always show my husband the amount of money that I spent on weekly groceries because it's like twice what it used to be. Or, you know, we went out to dinner last night to this, this wonderful restaurant that I was talking about at the beginning. And the price was exorbitant for what? Four pizzas, four personal pizzas, exorbitant. Inflation is hitting us all where it hurts and it really hurts. That's why I started using the Upside app. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who, you know, buys gas or groceries or dines out. 
I earn cash back with every purchase thanks to Upside. It's not too good to be true. I've used it. It works. All you have to do to get started is download the free Upside app. You can use my promo code Liz5 and you will get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. It's very easy. You claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. You check in at the business. Then you pay as usual with a credit or debit card and then you get paid. Compared to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week. So download the free Upside app. Use my promo code Liz5 to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more if you use my promo code Liz5. But first, download the free Upside app. Okay, so we can do two things at once. We can, as a Republican Party, a conservative movement, we can acknowledge that we want election day, not election season. We can fight to make the the rules and laws in states so that it is election day and not election season. And while we are doing that, we can build up an apparatus for early voting to compete with the Democrats because that is their primary strategy at this point. If we neglect to do the latter while we are fighting for the former, then we're going to, well, we're going to have repeats of what happened in Georgia. We're going to lose. Because we can't compete with a party that is specifically reaching out to voters who might not otherwise vote long before election day, telling them, this is how you vote. This is how you, we'll come and pick up your ballot. We'll show you who to vote for. And then collecting that ballot and dropping it off at a drop box or at, at the polling place. We, we will never be able to compete because it's, it's as small of a percentage as just a quarter of people in 2020, for example, who voted on election day. Everyone else either voted with absentee ballots, mail-in ballots, or early voting. And so if Republicans are just competing for that, that 25% of vote that we saw in, in 2020, then what do you think? Like, who, even if we won the entirety of that, that, that percentage that votes on election day, it's still not going to help you overcome the deficit that we've already allowed to happen thanks to early voting. It's, in a sense, it's mind-blowing that the Republican Party didn't see this immediately in 2020 and readjust in, in 2022. But listen to how effective this is. This is a tweet from a political consultant named Greg Price, and I want to read it to you verbatim because this, this illustrates exactly what I'm talking about. He says, from 1992 to 2020, Republicans never beat a Democrat congressional incumbent in the state of California. Since then, since 2020, the California GOP has done it five times. So for 20 years, not once, in the past two years, five times. Why, Price says, they learned how to prioritize early voting, ballot harvest, and invest in ground game. And then he says, do this in every swing state and we will win again. He's correct. He's absolutely correct. If the RNC, this can't be done by every individual campaign, although campaigns have to acknowledge this and build their ground game accordingly. But if the Republican apparatus does not build up an early voting organization to compete with Democrats, we're just going to lose. And sure, we need better candidates. Of course we do. But at the same time, you hear this, you hear this argument that, oh, if we just had better candidates, we'd win. And you look at some of Democrats' candidates. Look at John Fetterman in Pennsylvania. Well, they didn't need a good candidate. In a swing state, 
and they still won. So it renders our argument that do we need better candidates? It maybe informs us that of course we do because we want them to be good in Congress, but but campaigning is a different game than governing. And so campaigning and, and winning elections is different than standing strong for your principles and how you vote in, in Congress once you're elected. So if Fetterman can win in a swing state, not even a strong blue state, then do we need better candidates or is there something else? Well, we need better communication to voters meaning don't just talk to Republican candidates, can't just talk to existing Republican voters. Republican candidates have to talk to people specifically who aren't Republican and meet them where they are on issues that they care about, that there's mutual agreement and invite and ask those voters to vote Republican, even if they haven't previously done so. We need better communicating. We need better branding so that people, we talked about this yesterday, so that that voters who do agree with the policy options that Republicans are putting forward, don't feel like they can't cast a vote for someone they agree with because that person's Republican. We have to like deprogram voter, the indoctrination that Democrats have inundated people with, telling them that the Republicans are extremists and domestic terrorists and racists and bigots and homophobes and xenophobes and blah, 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 blah. We have to undo that. We have to rebrand the Republican Party. Again, that's the job of the RNC. And we have to have a clear platform. We can't operate as a party without a platform. People have to know what we stand for. And if Republican candidates are too afraid to take a strong stance on issues in the culture war, for example, because they're afraid that it's going to hurt them in the polls or they're afraid of being called names, then that's how we as voters vet those candidates. Those are not good candidates if they're afraid to go out in public and say, listen, we should not have a Congress that is redefining the word marriage to include same-sex partnerships. We should not have laws that allow abortion because abortion ends in human life. We should not allow critical race theory in our schools. We should not allow parents to be excluded when their children are transitioning in schools. We should not allow groomer teachers. If, if there are Republican candidates or even incumbents who are afraid to say these things, then they're not the right candidates for us. And the way that we as the voter interview those candidates is by presenting as a party a platform that says, this is what we as Republicans stand for. And if you as a candidate want to run under the helm or under the name of our party, you need to sign on to these things. You need to be unafraid to address these things. You need to defend these things. And you need to be proactive in, in, in supporting and pushing and introducing and sponsoring these policies in your seat in government. That, of course, it's not something that could have been done by Herschel Walker, but it is something that must be done by the RNC. Proactive branding, invitations to non-traditional GOP voters, and a very clear platform. So this kind of this kind of brings me back to what we were talking about when we were talking about the RNC chair election. So uh, did you guys write to your state your state uh, committee members of the RNC? Did you look at that website that I posted? Did you send Did you send <laughs> emails and make phone calls and say, listen? Ronna Romney McDaniel, I know she's she served five years. She's zero and five in elections at the helm of the RNC. That is not a good record. It's time for a change. It's time for Harmeet Dillon. Um, honestly, the entire leadership of the Republican Party, whether it's at the RNC, McDaniel, whether it's McConnell in the Senate, whether it's McCarthy in the House, it's really time. It's it's time for entirely new leadership. McConnell was the one who blamed candidates for being bad candidates a couple of months ago. And while in a sense he wasn't incorrect about some of them. 
Although I think McConnell was probably talking about Blake Masters. I thought Blake Masters was a good candidate. McConnell didn't like him because Blake Masters challenged McConnell. But McConnell's not wrong that Herschel Walker wasn't a good candidate. But he, McConnell knew what he was doing by saying that at that exact moment. He knew that would douse voter enthusiasm, which would diminish voter turnout, which would lead to Republicans not winning. That's not something you do when you have Republican Party principles as the primary, your primary goal, your primary agenda. That's something you do when you're just a swamp preacher. And that's what, of course, McConnell as McCarthy says that he'll fight the culture wars, but he's not demonstrated his willingness to engage in fighting the culture wars. It's time for, it's time for us to clean house. I said yesterday, I'll say it again. We need someone in charge of the RNC who will do to the RNC what Elon Musk is doing to tw Twitter, and that is just clean house. I, let me tell you guys, I have never been more convinced of anything than I am of the fact that we have to completely revamp the RNC. We have to have a chair that understands the difference between outright fraud and fraudulent behavior, understands what, what electioneering is, understands that building an early voting apparatus is critical to winning elections. And if we don't compete with the Democrats, then we won't win no matter how good our candidates are. I have never been more convinced of anything. And I know it's distasteful to some Republicans to engage in early voting when we don't believe in it, to engage in ballot harvesting when we see that it's such a vulnerability to fraud. But sometimes you have to compete where your opposition is in order to enact the changes that you ultimately feel are right and good and proper. Georgia is a perfect example of this. The reason Herschel Walker lost this runoff, the reason Raphael Warnock is still a United States senator, the reason the Republicans lost committee seats in the Senate, the reason we have a 51-49 Democrat majority in the United States Senate when we should have, as Republicans, swept the entire Congress is because of early voting. It's because of ballot harvesting, and it's because Republican leadership refuses to compete. It is time to make a change. All right. Thank you for watching today. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show.